Well, good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldezan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? It's 291-6901. And you use the area code here, which is 225. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. Couldn't be a whole lot easier than that, and that's exactly what Mike did. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Doing great, sir. Doing great. Great. I always want to thank you first for your show. I just learned so much. Well, thank you. And I also want to tell you about, I don't know, more than a month ago, I called and you had given me the advice of changing my ATF fluid to the OEM recommended brand. And I thought I was doing the best thing for my car by uh-huh. using Mobile One Synthetic, which I thought was the best. And well, basically changing back to the Hyundai fluid fixed 95% of my problems. So oh. thank you for mm-hmm. that. Well, good deal. Yep, and I had a couple of quick questions. You bet. All right, uh, I'm in the market for a new used car, and Mm -hmm. I wondered if would connecting an OBD2 scanner be able to tell me, like, previous highs in RPMs or in overheating issues? No. Can I find that out anyway? No, because most of that, well, yes and no. If it had been overheated, it will set a code, but the next time the codes are cleared, it's gone. Or if someone disconnects the battery, it'll be gone. So you could check it and see, and if it has an overheating code in there, obviously I would not be interested in the car. But if it doesn't, doesn't mean that it hasn't been, if you follow what I'm saying. Now, yeah, I understand. One thing that I like to do, when we do a pre-purchase inspection, we always do run the codes, and we also look at the readiness tests. Because when the codes are cleared, the readiness tests are also cleared. And that can take up to a week, depending on how the car is driven, to run all those tests again. So incomplete readiness tests is a very suspicious thing for me because it tells me the codes have been cleared or the battery's been disconnected. And my first question is, what are they trying to hide? Yeah, there's only one reason to do either one of those, and that's to clear the code. Right. You know, look, code. And even if the battery was weak, they could have changed it without doing that. So when I see a car with incomplete readiness tests, a used car, I'm always a little suspicious. So from that perspective, yeah, you get some information. And it's possible they could have left the codes in there, but it's not like a black box where it stores it permanently, where you can get it regardless. Right. Good. Good information. Thanks. And one other thing, guys, when I was changing my ATF, I I jacked up the front end, Mm -hmm. you know, did what I had to do, load the car again. And ever since then, it seems like my right front the passenger front tire is or or shock is jumpy you yeah. know and that, that does happen what possible what happens is that the fluid can leak past one chamber and into the other chamber under certain conditions and some cars are notorious for that some of the gm was a little traverse yeah that particular body notorious style. for that the honda crv some hondas will do yeah. that but what happens the fluid leaks from one side of the piston to the other so it forms a lock and if you try to jounce the car, what you can notice is it's locked up on that side. And so it's just going to bounce your teeth out. Every once in a while, they will eventually leak back down and free up. But most of the time, they don't. And you're going to have to replace the shocks to get that taken care of. It's kind of a real problem for us because we work on lots of cars. And we get higher mileage cars come in. We jack it up to work change on the brakes or, or something or change it all and set it down. Well, then, of course, the customer says, well, wait, it wasn't doing that when it came in. So we're sitting there a big matzo ball trying to explain well this just happens sometimes and i have had to end up buying people shocks just to make them happy because they just wasn't gonna you understand that that does sometimes happen some cars worse than others but yeah i've had seen that happen on just about all different models 
Sometimes you just jack Can it up and it just happen, locks up. Is that more? Does it happen more to a, like the older strut, or could that even happen to a new? It one? It could happen to a new one. Most of the ones we see have a hundred thousand plus on them, but again, it, no reason it couldn't happen on any of them. I remember back years and years ago, we used to work on a lot of the Fiats, and the Fiat Spider was notorious for that. You jack it up, and the rear shocks would lock up on it but and over the years we've kind of come to know which ones do it and we're always looking out for those and we don't have to we don't jack it up and let the wheels hang we jack it on a wheel lift you know pick it up from the wheels that we can but there are times suppose you're doing brake service you just have to let the wheel hang down because you gotta get the tire off to do the service yeah. so it, it's a problem very good guys as usual you answer my questions great and i appreciate it have a, have a good day well, great mike where you calling from fort lauderdale florida appreciate you All calling right. we're going to fort lauderdale Towards the end of this year, we're taking a cruise out that way. Oh, well, so, enjoy. Now we will, man. Thanks a lot. Take care, buddy. Bye bye. All right, 291 6901. Stick a 225 in front of there. You can call us from Fort Lauderdale. There you or go. Wherever or you, wherever. Wherever you <laughs> care to call from. <laughs> With the right world code, which is 0101. For the United you can States, reach us right. from anywhere in the world. There you go. And I get a lot of email from all over the world. We don't get, we get a few phone calls. I know a fellow from London called in one time, right. and I uh, think few other people have called in over the years but we get a lot of listeners from those areas i get a lot of email uh-huh. and i got an email earlier this week and i told him i would try to address it on the show and young man was changing the rear main seal on his car okay and his question was when i am changing the rear main seal are there other things in the area that i could do that would make sense and certainly there are you know, I'm not real big at just throwing parts at anything and saying, well, let's just change everything in there because sometimes you may create more problems than you solve. Sure. But that being said, let's say, for instance, if it's a standard transmission car, certainly you want to look at the clutch well, while yeah, you've got you, it it's out. out. Just, yeah, it'd be foolish not to. If it's an automatic transmission car and it's got a lot of miles on it, you might want to look at the front seal on the torque converter. Sure. If it's lower miles, I probably wouldn't worry about that, but higher miles, I certainly would. You might want to check the motor mounts, the in, the transmission and engine mounts, because when you've got transmission out, that may be a lot easier to address some of those. Sure. Another thing I didn't occur to me when I was talking to him, but take a look at the rack and pinion, especially if you've got higher mileage on the car. Okay. Because it's right there. A, yeah, a lot of rack and pinions will leak, and they don't leak to the outside. They leak into those rubber boots. Correct. You know, those boots are just designed to be dust boots to keep the rain out of the rack and not designed to hold fluid in. So if you just take the step of removing that rubber boot, if oil comes running out, it means the rack and pinion is leaking internally, which means it doesn't have to be replaced at this moment. However, if you've got transmission out many times, it's maybe 15 minutes more to go ahead and drop rack and pinion. Sure. Whereas sure. you may have to practically take transmission back out again <laughs> to get to it later. I, I've seen some of them that take four or five hours to get in and out, mm-hmm. when, and others take an hour and a half. Yeah, some are, some it are easy. It just depends on the design. How they designed it, how they put it in there. But that's another thing you might want to look at while you're under there. Conversely, if you are doing other work, for instance, if you... Well, you take a look at the flywheel. Yeah, take a look at the flywheel, the flex plate. Sure. Those it, sorts of things. Some of those, some vehicles are notorious for the, the flex plates cracking on them. Now's the time to look at it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you have to take it off to get to the rear main. That's right. So now is the time to change it if it needs to be changed. Say it's got 150,000, 200,000 miles right. on it. And I mean, it now's says, the time. The teeth, the teeth are pecked up on it or messed up on it. Got a hairline Another thing might somewhere. be the starter. Let's say you got really high miles. Say you got 200,000 miles, you got the original starter. Well, usually you have to take the starter off to get transmission out. Usually. You might want to consider that. Yep. Not saying you would, but you may. It's just something to think about. Now, 
other things in that area, you got a seal a lot of times where the axles go in if it's a front-wheel drive. Those axle seals, if you have to take them out, you might want to consider changing those if it's high-mileage vehicle mm-hmm. because they do get old and they get kind of hard and brittle with time. And when you put the axles back in, they may leak. All right. You don't have to take transmission back out, but you got to pull the axle and all back out. Which is a pretty good job, which you probably have taken it out anyway to do the rear main seal. That's right. On something like a Chevy or a GM V8, like a 5.3 or 4.8 or 6.0 or 6.2 or any of those. That family of They're blocks. pretty bad about the oil pans leaking. Right. And with the transmission out, that oil pan may be easier depending on what model it's in. I know there are some of those that the oil pan doesn't have room to drop straight down, but it can come out from the back. So it may be a good idea if the oil pan is leaking to go ahead and address that. And you got to be careful with that because there's a special setup on that oil pan. Mm-hmm. It has to be put on exactly in the right spot because it bolts to the transmission. Mm-hmm. So you can't just take the pan off, bolt it back on, and then bolt the transmission back without on. The tool. Without the tool to set the pan back in the correct place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it comes in the 5.3 liter engine set that GM issues a Kent Moore tool just mm-hmm. for that purpose. Luckily, we've got one, so it makes it kind of easy. <laughs> right. Hey, we're going to take our first quick little break, and we'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Ever plan to motor west? Phew, I had a bad dream last night. Girl, me too. I was out on a date with Matthew McConaughey. Well, that doesn't sound too bad. But literally, all he could say was... All right, all right, all right. Still, it's... In auto-tune. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. Over and over and over. Oh, it was a nightmare. What about you? I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at AGCO, which cost me thousands in repair. Now that's scary. AGCO Automotive's general inspection is the best way to make sure your car performs at its peak and you're not surprised by any major repairs. Bring your vehicle in once a year, and we'll recommend any maintenance. We can even help decide if it's worth fixing or time for you to purchase another. My dream was scary, but yours was, uh, all wrong, all wrong, all wrong. (laughs) Okay, are you finished now? Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. Just join us. This is Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan. We certainly appreciate you spending your Saturday morning with Brian and I. Hey, give us a call, 291-6901, and it'll get you right up to the top of the list. And we'll entertain any automotive questions you have this That's morning. That's it. You just give us a call. They'll try to help you out and at least give you some advice on it. That's right. There you go. We were talking about changing parts that have some shared stuff, and certainly you have to draw a line somewhere. Sure. And where I always try to draw the line when I have a decision to make as to do we change this, do we change that, things that can be done very easily now that will require a great deal of effort, possibly more effort than what the part would cost, then I might elect to change now. Right. Let's say, uh, let's take a timing belt, mm-hmm. for example. Right. You can go in and throw a timing belt at it. You're going to pay the three or four hours labor to go in and just right. throw a belt on it. But while you're in there, there's all sorts of other items that need to be addressed at the time. You've got cam seals, you've got crank seals, you've got sometimes a water pump that runs off the right. timing belt. Sometimes a balance shaft seal. Right. Balance and shaft belt. Should you happen to external belts? To do the, the timing just elect to do the timing belt mm-hmm. and something say happened to one of the seals or one of the other belts in there, then you're paying the labor to go back in again. Well, far, far more money to go back than what the seal costs sure because a seal is probably 10 12 dollars and it's going to take four to five hours labor at a hundred dollars plus an hour to come back and change it later 
and it may leak on your brand new belt. Right. So then you need another belt. Right. Sort of a no-brainer there. And other times you just have to, like I said, draw the line somewhere. Right. Example of that would be when we replace an engine in a car, there are many, many sensors on that engine. Some vehicles may have as many as 15 different sensors, and some of these sensors may cost upwards of $200. Sure. So do you change $3,000 worth of sensors because maybe they're going to go bad? Well, again, they're good now. They're working and they're not that hard to come back and replace for to. the most part. Right. I can come back in a half hour, 45 minutes, and change the sensor after the fact. Right. So that would be an example of something I would not change. Now, let's say a motor mount on a Chevy pickup. Those are pretty difficult to get to. They are, with the engine in. Now, yeah, when the, the engine comes out, they're right there. They're right there. And if one looks bad... You know, the other one's fixing the yeah, beat, too. I, I'm going to go ahead and just replace those. Sure. But, again, if I'm looking at maybe the throttle body, well, if it's working now, to me, it's senseless to change it or the alternator because it's sitting right on top of the motor. Right. It doesn't and take that long to get back to it's it. It's working now. If it goes out in two weeks, it's a half-hour job to come back and change it. Sure. So, yeah, you have to be sensible or else you're going to replace the entire car. And it's always inviting, I guess, when someone does a job for you and they don't change something and it subsequently fails to blame them. Well, if you didn't, well, yeah, but, you know, how about the motor in the window on the back door? <laughs> it might go bad, too. You know, car's got 150,000, miles. Any part might go bad. Sure. We can't just go in and start miting, miting, miting because – you'll replace the whole car, and even if you buy a brand-new car, you most people who have owned a new car know that things go wrong on new cars. <laughs> yeah, go to a dealership and look down through the, the shop area at all the new cars sitting in there that are being worked on. Well, that's right. You know, a car today is sort of like a light bulb. It may burn out the next time you turn it on. It may burn another 100,000 hours. Who right. knows? So you do have to be reasonable. And, again, what you're looking for is things that are very difficult to come back and change that don't cost a whole lot to change now. And relatively inexpensive parts that can be changed easily now that are difficult later. Right. Beyond that, then you just have to kind of decide, hey, this is not worth changing right now. Because, and you know, just because you put a new part does not mean you're putting a known good part. That That is a fact. We see that quite often. That happened to me once. We were changing a, I forgot what it was, I think a camshaft, a crankshaft seal on a Ford product of some sort. And... I looked at the water pump, and it wasn't leaking or anything, and I told the guy, I said, well, the water pump is right there. If you want me to change it, it's not a real big deal to change. Mm -hmm. I've got the harmonic balancer off. I've got the belts off. He said, yeah, let's go ahead and do it. So I replaced the water pump, crank it up, brand-new Motocraft water pump, crank it up, drip, 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 yep. drip, defective water pump. Yep. Shot myself in the foot. <laughs> <laughs> Had to go back and, of course, swap it out again. Had I left the original on there, it may have lasted another 100,000 miles. Who knows? Never know. So it's a double-edged sword. you got to kind of weigh it out and you know, just throw in a whole bunch of new parts on there. Particularly, I see people who will go in and buy a bunch of aftermarket parts. And in some cases, that may be worse than what, than leaving the original leaving stuff. Leaving the original stuff. The original stuff was generally pretty high-quality stuff. I had another fellow who emailed, and he asked about he was replacing his radiator. Should he change the thermostat? And I said, well, if it's got a lot of miles on, it's not a bad idea to replace the thermostat at that time. If it's not extremely difficult to get to or easy to come back and get to. But if you're going to change it, get an original equipment 
thermostat and put yes. in. Yes. If you go buy an aftermarket thermostat, you may not get as good as what you've got now, even with 150,000 miles on it. Right. We see it all the time. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's something, you know, a, a good thermostat is worth its weight in gold. Yeah, and they don't cost that much. I mean, even the really expensive ones that come with a neck and everything are probably $50, $60. Most of them are $20 or less sure. for a good one. So why do you want to go buy a $10 one that is not going to work? Either you're going to throw a check engine light because the engine's not getting the full temperature. Gas miles are going to go in the toilet. Or it's going to stick shut and overheat. Right. <laughs> yeah, which is as bad or worse. So, yeah, I don't ever want the cheapest stuff on my car. No. I want good stuff. I want the overall lowest cost, stuff that's going to save me money down the road. Sure. And, you know, first caller we had, Mike, made a excellent point, I think. And he said he was using Mobile One in his transmission because he thought it was a good product. Mm-hmm. Well, Mobile One is a good product. It's an it's excellent just a, product. Yeah, say. It's just not the right product for that application. Because more and more what happens, particularly with transmission fluids, is they may design a transmission. Then they start test driving it and, and operate. Well, they find some characteristic they don't like. For instance, it has a rough engagement. Or maybe it has a shutter or shake or something like that. Many times they will engineer a fluid that, that takes will that out. take that out. Right. That is a specific fluid. That's why we have 30, 40 different kinds of transmission fluids now. And you don't know that because they don't tell you that. They exactly. just say, they put, say, put this in there. Put and, this fluid in there. Right. And if you elect to go in and put something else, you may end up with the problem that was already solved showing up. A rough engagement, a late engagement, a shutter, a shake. All these different sorts of things. I know with Honda products, Honda has their own fluid. Yes. And they you had put, a fluid which they replaced with DW1, which is the new one. Now, the new one supersedes the first one. Correct. But if you don't put the Honda fluid, and it is a Dexron-based fluid, but it has additives in it. Right. And if you don't use that fluid, you get all kind of crazy well, you engagements. Get, that's and right. You may get a and, bad shut, torque converter shutter or whatever. And you put the proper fluid back in it, and it gets rid of all that. And that, that unit is so easy to service. Yeah, I very, mean, very easy. Very easy to service. You just you drain the old fluid out, you put the new fluid in, you run it a little while, you drain the fluid back out, mm-hmm. and then refill it back up, and right. you're done. Yeah. There's no filter to fool with. There's no pan to fool with, no pan gasket to fool with. Right. Between six and seven Piece parts, depending on what kind of a uh, transmission it is. is. Some of the newer ones have an auxiliary filter on now to can replace from the outside, but... They really don't seem to give a whole, whole lot of trouble. No, they don't. So, anyway, that's what we don't want to say about that. <laughs> Let's go to our phone line with Jim. Good morning, Jim. Oh, good morning, guys. Yes, sir. Good morning. Uh, yeah, I have a 2002 Chevy Silverado, mm-hmm. um, 1500 with a V6 engine. Okay. And lately, when I put it on AM radio, I can hear a buzz. Mm-hmm. You know, coming on the radio, and I turn the car off, truck off, it goes away. Is it with engine speed, like if you race the motor, does the sound of the noise go up and down also, or does it stay constant? I think it stays kind of constant. That's some electrical interference that you're picking up, Jim, and most radios have filters built into them to try to eliminate that. Probably one of the filters in the radio has gone bad, and now it's not filtering it out. To try to determine what's causing the noise, you'd have to see what affects it. For instance, you might try turning your air conditioner up and down and see if the blower motor speed affects the noise. Does it get louder or faster when the blower goes up and down? Because that's one possible source of it. Uh Uh, Another thing, of course, would be like an alternator, but that's going to generally be when you race the motor. It'll go up and down with engine speed. 
but it's going to probably be something electrical and there's a couple of ways to go about repairing it one would be of course to send the radio out and have it repaired or replaced the other is if you can isolate the source of the noise a lot of times you can go to these electronics places and you can buy a filter and put it on that device and you filter it at the source It's, it's just a little condenser is all it is that goes across it and it filters the noise out for you. I remember when Radio Shack used to be in business, they used to sell those. Just called a noise right. filter or noise suppressor. Fairly inexpensive little thing. You just have to isolate where the noise is coming from. One last oh, thing, boy. Jim. If the antenna is making a poor connection, that will be way, way worse. Now, they are notorious for getting loose also. Right. So oh, okay. check your antenna good and check where it plugs in the back of the radio. Make sure no rodent got in and maybe chewed on the cable of the antenna. Because if you've okay. got a weak signal coming in, it's going to really pick up a lot more interference. Yeah, that's true. And now, with WJBO, you get north of Denham Springs, you can't even hear it. There you go. Yeah. Now, another thing you can do, if you can get a little portable radio, a portable AM, FM radio, and put that in the car. And yeah. if you do not hear the interference on that radio and you do on your car radio, then you know it's something with the radio. Now, if you hear it with either radio, then you know it's something on the car that's causing the interference. Okay, I'll try that. Okay. Also, on my van... Mm-hmm. Sometimes it don't work on five. Yeah, and what that is work on five. Yeah, that so you have a, what they call a speed controller on that fan, and what happens is that the blower motor starts to pull too much amperage, and when it does, it starts to burn the connectors up because it's drawing too many amps through it. Now, number five is the highest amperage position because it's wide open, and so it's going to burn yeah. that one first. What you're going to end up doing, Jim, is probably replacing the blower motor, the speed controller, and possibly the harness. And I would do it sooner rather than later because if you keep doing, keep running it like that, it will melt the whole thing, and you'll end up with a much bigger problem. But if you get somebody to put an amp meter on the blower motor, what you're going to find, instead of pulling 6 to 8 amps, it's probably pulling 20 amps, and it's just melting those connectors. That's hell to change out, huh? Uh, not very hard to change. The parts are a little pricey, but they're not hard to change. Oh, okay, it's under the dash. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, behind the glove compartment or the whole dash. It's under the under the glove compartment. I think you can change that one without taking the box out. Yeah, I, I don't think oh, you have to take good. a whole whole lot. It's you got to take there's a cover under there. You got to take the cover off, and then the fan is I believe the fan is is right there. Right, and I think and the, the speed controller is right up to near the left of that. Yeah, it's, it's a little more difficult if you have to change the connector, and usually you do because the connectors melt. If you don't right. change it, it'll come right back on you, and burn the new motor up. So you want to make oh, sure you okay. get a proper job. I know in the shop, we charge about an hour to do the blower motor, maybe another half hour to change the connectors and all that. So hour and a half in the shop, it's not a huge job, you know? Like three or $400 for the motor, probably? They vary know. in price greatly. Some of them are 110 Some of them are 210 Some of them are 300 It just depends on what that truck had as an option. Little controllers are probably 80 90 bucks, and the pigtail is probably 50 60 bucks. Too awful bad. No, it's not <laughs> the end of the world, but if you let it go and it burns up the control yeah. unit, now you got another big deal. So, Or it takes oh, some boy. wiring out. Yeah, somewhere. it burns the wiring harness up or something. Holy man. That happens okay, with guys. almost all GM products sooner or later. Oh, oh wonderful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> all right, okay. Jim. Hey, all right, thank you. Thanks, all man. Right. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to take a second little break, and we will be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. a bad dream the other night can't be worse than mine i was buried up to my neck in the desert surrounded by an army of prairie dogs and their leader rides up rides yep it's yule brenner and he orders me to eat this huge mound of candy corn so all the prairie dogs line up and feed it to me piece by piece 
I'll never look at that Halloween confectionery the same again. What about you? Well, I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at Agco, and my car left me stranded on I-10. Now that's scary. Agco Automotive is here with the best way to keep up with car maintenance. Get our annual general inspection. You pick the month, we check out your vehicle and recommend any maintenance you may need, which can save you costly repairs down the road. That was a freaky dream. Were you on medication, or did you eat anything strange? Uh, yeah. I actually ate a whole bag of candy corn left over from Halloween. 2014. Oh. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco. It's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, three tools will try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Go and give us a call, 291 6901. We'll get you right to us, and we got all our lines wide open. That's Just right. Sitting here waiting for your call. <laughs> we were talking before the break uh-huh. about different fluids, and particularly transmission fluids. And clearly, you don't have to understand all the chemistry and right. why you're doing this, but you do have to put back what the manufacturer recommends for it and more and more it's not a recommendation it's, this has got to go in there uh-huh. same thing with oils now with a lot of the newer products as they start to move away from timing belts towards to timing chains. chains with an overhead valve engine a timing chain is not your grandfather's timing chain no it's not a little no, six inch long thing driving a camshaft it's, no so i've seen them two and three feet long oh at least two or three of them on, a, on an engine yeah, and two or three of them on there with hydraulic tensioners and variable cam timing and all the other stuff and what that does because that chain has to be lubricated and because of all the critical factors like running the variable cam timing and all that the oil that you put into the car, as specific as the transmission fluid is sure, now, sure. you can't just take it on yourself and say, well, because it's good, it, it's hot here, I'm going to put something thicker. No, that's not going to work. Because the first thing you'll probably know is check engine lights can come on and you're going to take a catalytic converter out because you created too much windage in your oil. Right. Or you throw a check engine light for a cam timing off or something like that because it wasn't designed. It was designed for a specific oil. And that is not a recommendation. That, that is, is a requirement. Correct. Just like the 2011 and later GM cars require Dexos and all that meets the Dexos standard. If you don't put it in there, you will avoid the warranty because sure. you put the wrong oil. Most of you newer Toyotas require synthetic oil. Right, a 020. 0W20 synthetic. And that's not, oh, well, it's nice. I'm going to do that because I want to do. No, that's what you have to put in it. It's required. Or, or you're going to cause damage. You're going to damage something else. Right. Not unlike. We don't see this as much anymore, but back a few years ago, the performance cars required high-octane fuel. Mm-hmm. Now, when that car was designed for 93-octane fuel, that doesn't mean, well, it'll be nice if you put this in here. Right. It's it means re- it's required. It's, it's not going to run correctly right. if it's not. It's going to start burning holes in the pistons if you put 87-octane in there because it doesn't have enough to control enough octane to control the burn time so you get a flash and a spontaneous combustion going off before the piston reaches top dead center and you can seriously damage the engine oh yeah definitely and it's the same with almost every fluid that you put into the car and we're going to talk a whole lot more about that we'll catch a couple of these phone calls we've got jeff online good morning jeff good morning yes sir good morning we've got a 2000 gmc with 4l60e mm-hmm. transmission when y'all rebuild transmissions, do y'all change the oil seal on the rear main? We normally do, Jeff. It just depends on if the customer wants to do it and how many miles it's got on it and the type of vehicle. On that particular one, I definitely would 
just because it has a, well, you didn't tell me what vehicle it's in, but if it's one of the ones with like a 5.3 or 4.8 or 6.0 or one of those, they're notorious for that rear seal cover leaking. Now, if it was a 5.7, and eh, maybe, maybe not. It just depends because those are not bad about leaking at all. They hardly ever leak. And what you're saying is on the 5.3, there's cover that right. the seal goes into, right. whereas on a 5.7, the seal just goes into the back of the block. Right, and they hardly ever leak. But right. on, on the 5.3, 6.0s, That family of engines. That family of engine, I would highly, yeah. highly recommend it. I have had some customers say, no, I don't want to do that. Okay, then we'll do huh. it your way. You know, it just depends on, on the customer. A rear main seal and cover gasket's probably in the neighborhood of forty forty five dollars, and I mean it takes, all labor's done. Yeah, all labor's there anyway. I mean, it takes another two minutes to change the seal. So yeah, I changed that thing about two years ago. But the problem is, I have two thirty on that vehicle mm-hmm. from day mm-hmm. one, and the transmission. Uh, would y'all rebuild them, or y'all just swap them out? Either way, it just depends on what's wrong with it. If we can build it better or cheaper than what I can get a remanufactured, we do that. Sometimes if it's really burned up inside or some gears are broken, it's less expensive for me to put a GM reman in it. And the advantage to the GM reman is you got a nationwide warranty, whereas yeah. with me, you just got a Baton Rouge warranty. So well, if, if you travel in the car a lot, it is sometimes worth going with a GM reman. It's a lot faster also. You're in and out one day yeah. as opposed to... You know, yeah, well, actually, there's not a thing wrong with the transmission. It works fine. Mm-hmm. But drive to North Louisiana about twice a month, and I got to do something with it because it is going to fail. Well, I tell you what I would do, Jeff, instead is I would just service it regular, and when you service it, cut the filter open, look inside, see how much debris it's generating. Because you can, I mean, you, I've seen people get 350,000 miles on those transmissions. I mean, normally they fail. They fail around 130 if they're going to go bad. If you made this much mileage, you probably got a good one. So I wouldn't be too quick just to go into it and rebuild it. I mean, I would wait till there was some type of a sign. Right. Well, I read up on the, the transmission has some weak spots. It does. They do. Trunk. But generally Trunk. those fail around 130. Usually if you make it past 130, you got a good one. Okay, I hang on a little bit longer, but <laughs> yeah. I just feel much a lot. I sleep better at night when yeah. I got good parts. In well, there. you can go in and change the reaction shell because that was a weak spot on. It's a billet steel right. one you can put in it. You can put the aluminum accumulator pistol instead of the plastic ones that GM use. I mean, there are some things you can do, but again, yeah, but it, it just depends. You can still do a major overhaul. Though, yeah, right? you have oh, yeah. to do a full overhaul to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I'll ponder that and. Uh, I'll probably be talking to you okay. next four or five months. Sounds good. All right, sir. Appreciate the help. All right, Jeff. Yes, thanks, sir. man. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to part of the automotive, I would love to have you. And we got Tom on the line. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, guys. How are you this morning? Doing great, sir. Doing great. Good, good. Normally, I've been bothering you with questions on my Subaru, but okay. i got a different one for you sure. today. I'm looking at my niece's. It's a 2004 Trailblazer mm-hmm. with a 4200. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 4.2 mm-hmm. liter. Uh, I'm changing the oil today, but it's got a ticking noise, almost like it's coming from the back of the engine. Mm-hmm. Not like a, a valve or something, but, you know, maybe a little bit deeper. Well, Does that make sense? It could very well be. They have had a number of problems with that little engine. The simplest thing, in fact, the only simple thing, check all the bolts in the exhaust manifold real carefully and make sure they're all there and not a bolt has broken the head off because the manifolds can warp on it, pop one of the bolt heads off, and you'll get a tick, 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 tick. Generally, when the engine gets hot, it'll get better as opposed to something internal, which will generally get worse when the engine gets hot. Now, beyond that, they've had a number of valve problems on that engine. Originally, there was an issue with the seats falling out of the heads on it. I hadn't seen that as much lately on the newer model ones, but uh, some of the earlier ones had that. 
and it's an okay motor, but they have had some issues with it, with that kind of stuff. So it just checked exhaust real good. Does the noise seem to get better or worse when the engine gets hot? Well, you know, she drove it over here for several miles, mm-hmm. and it, it was very noticeable. Mm. So I don't yeah, think that's generally that. not good. What you might want to do, too, Tom, is to screw a known good oil pressure gauge into the engine because that thing has a goofy, goofy setup. I know the gauge shows the oil pressure at halfway, but it's not really giving you an accurate reading. It's sort of averaging readings out and making it look like the gauge moves and all for whatever reason. That's what GM did on that one. Screw a known good gauge into that little port where the center unit comes out. Heat it up to full temperature and watch the oil pressure at idle and see if it's dropping down. Because most internal engine problems, you're going to notice a drop in oil pressure. pressure. Okay. The port for the oil pressure. Mm-hmm. Can you give me a hint? Man, I just don't know off the top of my head. Port. Yeah. I'm not sure where that one's You'd at. have to uh, check service down. I'm not sure off the top of my head, but it, it's not terribly hard to get to, I don't believe. And for some reason, I want to say maybe there's two different oil pressure senders on it, but I wouldn't swear to that. I don't. I know I don't we've know got a lot about we've got motor. a device that we use that you take the oil filter off and it screws on where the oil filter goes, and then the oil filter screws on the bottom of it, and it's got a port inside. It's a tool that Kent Moore makes that makes that real, real easy for us. But of course, that tool is probably two hundred dollars, and if you don't have one, you know you just got to hunt the hunt the sensor the port, down, yeah, and tie in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be a pretty expensive oil change. Yeah, <laughs> say the least. <laughs> Okay. Well, I put, no, on that same truck, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Someone said something about plastic timing tensioners. The guys. Yeah, almost plastic. all the guides are going to be plastic oh, or they? not. They're actually not guides? on. Yeah, that's pretty much okay. every car now is that way because the guy is pushing against the back of the chain and they couldn't fuse a piece of metal because you'd have metal against metal and you'd have a problem. So what they do okay. is they put a nylon and they hold up pretty well on most cars as long as the oil is changed regularly and the right oil is used. They don't give much trouble. I know Ford had a lot of trouble with them breaking, but that was mostly because they used either the wrong oil or the wrong oil filter on it. Right. Okay. Well, great. Thank you very much. All right, Tom. Okay. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to take our last little break, and we'll be right back with a whole lot more. Man, I had a bad dream the other night. Oh, me too. I was abducted by aliens, but they weren't little green men. They looked more like a cross between a chicken and a gremlin. Like the 80s movie? Yeah, so they take me up to this spaceship and onto this theater stage, and in the audience sits all the cats of my ex-girlfriends, and they're just sitting there judging me. Even Mr. Piddles, who I actually kind of liked. Oh, uh, what was your dream? I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at ATCO and my car broke down. Now that's scary. Hey, at ATCO Automotive, we know it's hard to keep up with maintenance. What do I do at 15,000 miles? What do I do at 75? We recommend an annual general inspection. Just pick a month and bring in the vehicle. We'll give it the once-over and can recommend any maintenance you may need before something causes bigger problems down the road. So did they take you to their leader? No, they made me watch a cat video reenactment of Steel Magnolias. It was horrible. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you just joined us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here in the co-pilot seat. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Go ahead and give us a call. Still got a few minutes. Get you an answer. And should you happen not to make that time period or think of something after we go off the air or even next week at midnight, 
You can always get your questions answered any time of the day or night by going to our website, which is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. There's a contact bar on each page. Just click the button, fill out the form, and send it on in. There you go. Get an answer right back to you. If you hadn't gotten an answer back from me within 24 hours, just check. Make sure you type the email address in properly. And if you did, then check your spam folder and all that, because sometimes when something comes from a commercial server, a lot of the Windows functions will see it it as possible a harm to the computer, so they'll filter it out. Right. Uh, That way you might not get it, and it may be sitting in your spam folder. So depending on what you have your security settings on. But check that as well. We're talking about fluids and different types of fluids and how they address different problems and such as that. And, of course, not only putting the wrong fluid as far as maybe putting an aftermarket fluid rather than the proper fluid, but physically putting the wrong fluid in the wrong place Oh yeah, well, can that, be that's catastrophic. A big, that is a big problem because let's just take brake fluid, for example. Mm-hmm. It's, it's almost clear to an amber, light amber color. Right. And so is power steering fluid. And they are two totally different fluids. Yeah, they get mixed up a lot. They do. Well, brake fluid, for the most part, is going to be an alcohol-based fluid. And it's designed, all the rubbers and stuff they use are designed to work with an alcohol-based fluid. And power steering fluid is generally going to be a petroleum fluid. And when that petroleum hits the rubber in that brake system, it will destroy every component in there. And it not being bad enough with regular brakes, but now you've thrown the anti-lock system in there, which is a combination of various valves and solenoids and things that all each have rubber components on those you start tearing one of those up you're talking a couple thousand dollars right some of those are extremely expensive and what happens i've seen people go in and they'll change the brake master cylinder because that's where they put the fluid Uh and everything seems to be okay they'll flush the fluid through the system well they just made it probably 10 times worse yes and you can't flush it out because it's soaked into that rubber and it's going to migrate back out and when it does it's going to leach back up it's going to take the brand new mouse on you put on there right back out again. The calipers are going to swell up and lock up, even the hoses and everything else. So right. pretty much once it occurs, you have to replace every piece of rubber in that system to ever know any piece in your life. <laughs> that, that's it. You, you can constantly have trouble with it if you don't. You bet. Hey, let's go back to our phone lines. Bob, good morning, Bob. Hey, Lewis, Bob here, Pastor Bob. I appreciate the service. Yes, sir. Always get from Atco and couple of things and then uh, something I want to mention to you. I really appreciate it if you find something and you call and ask permission to continue to work on it mm-hmm. or if you find something that wasn't specified before you move on. Mm-hmm. That, that's really a blessing. And then I had a slow leak in my tire here a while back mm-hmm. and got it uh, changed. I won't mention the place, but they overbuffed inside uh-huh. and, it, and it caused a slow leak. I don't know if you've ever had that happen before and what? it got into the... Uh, yeah, inside the tire, you have to treat the inside of that tire because it's co- it has a coating on it, and to get the right. patch to set, you have to kind of buff that that surface off lightly. Now, right, it can get away from you, and you can end up buffing that past that and into down the into belt. the cords. And then, if the patches and plugs we use, they have to seal on that soft rubber part, and they can't seal on that buff down cord part. Right. So right, the, right. the patches won't seal there anymore. Mm-hmm. So basically, right. you've ruined you've the tire. You've ruined the tire. Point. You're right. I have seen them buff down to the cords, but not in the position of the pat. And there's a coating you can put on it. Secure coat. And it will it will seal the... It'll replace that coating on there. Right. It will seal the cord from the inside of the tire, but the patch still won't stick to it. 
God just didn't know it. He mentioned that. You, if any way you could avoid that, if someone had a tire done, but this was not at John's place, and I won't mention where. Right. Was. And Elizabeth, Elizabeth found it, and I'm glad she found it and called me. Oh, well, great. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's just a matter, like everything else, uh, Mr. Bob, you just got to have someone doing a job that knows what they're doing. And there's probably right. no task that's simple enough that somebody can't figure out a way to do it wrong. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't know. I thought maybe it might avoid somebody else having a problem with that. And that's probably very unusual. Mm-hmm. You know, but man, I appreciate you fellas and good work you do. Well, well thank, thank you. you. Okay. Have a good day. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to follow the automotive, I'm going to try to catch a couple more of these calls. We've got Fernando online. Good morning, Fernando. Hello. Good morning, Lewis and Brian. Hey, good man. Morning. Morning. Um, I have a quick question regarding my Frontier. It's a vehicle that earlier this year, um, I had some problems with it uh, taking a long time to warm up in the morning, start the vehicle, and I was going to replace the thermostat on it, even though I, I already replaced it in the past. And mm-hmm. upon doing that, I noticed that when I it had been like an hour with for me turning off the car, you're using the car. In other words, the car was still was still warm or because it had been used, but the coolant was like almost like room temperature and when i've messed with the coolant in my wife's car the camry or my other truck the tundra the coolant has been hot to the point where it burns me and this time i was surprised so i was wondering if it's if it turns out that it's not the thermostat what other parts of the vehicle would stop the or prevent the flow from the of the coolant or in other words what other reasons could there be for the coolant being like room temperature even though it's been like yeah. an hour that you turned off the car yeah there's really nothing else fernando the thermostat is the part that's charged with blocking the flow until it gets to full temperature uh, other than that everything is pretty much constant you know the water pump and all that operates regardless it's just the thermostat uh, i'm gonna put you on hold because it's getting a lot of background noise but the thermostat is the part that controls all of that so you would almost have to have either a thermostat that is bad or maybe wrong for the design unless something in the bypass system has broken and it's just bypassing the thermostat but if the thermostat closes it's going to block flow which has got to heat up you know just physically it's, mm-hmm. it's going to get heated up and if not, it's really not too, too much else. So I hope that gave you a complete answer. All right. Well, yes. Thank you. Thank you very much. I did replace it in the past with uh-huh. the Nissan part, but uh-huh. I mean, it's not like they're all going to be 100%. Perfect, well, that's even true. Even if yeah. it's an OEM. And make sure that maybe it didn't get put in wrong. I've seen thermostats put in upside down before and they might yeah. won't operate properly. You know, they can go in either way. It's possible something like that. The only other thing I can think, maybe they gave you the wrong thermostat and Mm-hmm. See, a thermostat has a part that blocks. It opens and closes to allow flow, but they also, some of them have a little piece on the bottom that blocks the bypass tube when they open. And possibly that's not on there or not working right, so it's bypassing the thermostat. All right. Well, I'm going to install it this coming week, and mm-hmm. hopefully that is, this is the end of this. Yeah, no uh, kidding. And what I would do, when you, when you go to buy that thermostat, don't bring the old one with you. What you do is go into the dealership and give them the VIN number off the truck and tell them you want a thermostat. Because if you okay. do have a wrong one, you bring that and they match it up. You got two. You, wrong may, ones. you got two wrong ones. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I already. I went to the local uh, Nissan dealer and I okay. did. Um, I gave them the the VIN number. Good and, deal. Great. And they gave what I believe is hopefully the correct one. Yeah, and, and one compare that's, them. That's working properly. Compare them when you see them to each other and see if they're not different. Uh, that's it's possible they gave you the wrong thermostat the last time. Okay. All right, Fernando. All right. Thank you guys thanks, very much. Thanks, thank call man. Bye bye. All right. All right, two nine one sixty nine zero one. I think we might have time to sneak Mike in. Good morning, Mike. Yeah, how you doing? Doing morning. great, sir. Good, good. Listen, I have a two thousand three model Buick Century, mm-hmm. and I'm having a problem with trying to get it 
started. It is. It cranked up one morning, and the battery and everything is is, is hot in it. The mm-hmm. light comes on, horn blows on it. Right. But it won't start now. It cranked up and killed, and that and it, now it won't say nothing. Okay. But when you turn the key now, it does nothing at all. Nothing at no all. No sound at all. Nothing. Okay. Well, what you're gonna have to do, Mike, is you're gonna have to start out with a voltmeter, and you're gonna have to go to the starter. And first, take and put the positive terminal on that great big terminal on there, and then ground the other one, and see if you got twelve and a half volts right there. Now, if you don't have twelve and a half volts right there, you got to trace up trim, you got to check your cables and battery and all that kind of stuff. If you've got twelve and a half volts right there, then you can forget all that. The next thing you need to do is go to the little terminal on the side of the big one and put your voltmeter there and to ground and turn the key and see if you got a signal. Now, if you do not have a signal there, you got to trace that circuit. So it's just going to be a matter of some detective work. Best thing is to go to my website and just type in the word starter in the search bar, and it'll bring up a big old article to tell you all how to check, check it. it. Mm-hmm. Your website is starter, you say? Yeah, just type in the word starter in the search bar. Thank you so much. Oh, yes, sir. Right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. All right. Boy, I tell you, I'm just about out of time again. Just about got a couple <laughs> more minutes here, I think, to squander <laughs> around. <laughs> We were talking just a bit about putting the wrong fluid in the different things. And certainly the most common common is to put power steering fluid in the brakes. And that's pretty catastrophic. Right. Another thing that we see a lot, people will come in and their windshield washers are not working properly. And what they have done is they put water. Straight water. Or worse yet, they've put soap uh-huh. in there. I know that sounds like it makes some sense, but believe me. You have some tiny, tiny little passages in there, and if you put dishwashing liquid or soap or any type or of detergent, regular water, or just pure water, it's going to clog all those little passages up, and your windshield washers are going to quit working. Right. And that can get to be fairly expensive. Just water, because it's in the dark and it's hot, it's going to get bacteria in it, and it forms a slime, and it will slime that whole system up, sure. and the whole thing will quit working. So, again, something as simple as windshield washers, put the windshield washer fluid. fluid and if you live in an area where it can get cold you need the windshield washer fluid that has the antifreeze in it right in it's south louisiana it's not too much of a problem but a lot of those read the jug because some of them are not protected but down to a certain amount uh-huh. and if it freezes in that system it's going to bust the pump and it can cost you a whole whole bunch of money sure so, enough there you go Hey, you're going to start getting on out of here. Tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this Saturday morning and every Saturday morning on Automotive Hour. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. Go to your favorite broadcast or even rebroadcast service. Whichever uh, one you choose. That's right. You can find the written reviews and fill it out for us. Well, if you give us a written review, what it does, it lets the folks who broadcast the show know that, hey, this is a popular show. So when someone types in a phrase like auto repair, our name comes up close to the top of the list. So therefore, more people are going to listen, more people listen, more popular the show. The longer we can do it. There you go. The more, <laughs> more likely they are to let us keep on doing this. <laughs> hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.